Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. This is Shake the Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Rob McCarron, originally scheduled to appear, has not shown up yet, but you know, he might show up during this time. That'll be interesting. Rose. If he doesn't, we'll bury him. No, we'll bury him. Uh, we are recording after Crown Jewel. Uh, do we want to start there? Yeah, it's fresh in our minds. Well, we just watched it. Yeah, we just watched it. Um, I'm going to start with this note uh, of all the things. I think people do not appreciate just what a job has been done on this L.A. Knight character. I mean, we, we we say it, you know, every so often on this show and that we can't believe that. But they in less than a year, they have turned him from Max Dupree to a marketable Dare I say bigger than any star in AEW star? Is, is that possible or am I overselling that a bit? I don't think that's unfair. When I started seeing and realizing the saturation of like the yeah tagline, I I became a believer that he's big uh, and people like him. People enjoy the matches that he does, uh, even if they're very just there for me. They're cut. Co- uh, they're color by numbers, pretty much. I mean, yeah, they, they are. They are so there for me. But and the, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that because that's the WWE main event style, and it that's is. what people don't realize. It's like for everybody you hear who like are wrestling fans are like they want their you know star rating matches. WWE has no interest in that really. They love telling their story, and that's what they're gonna do. Yes, they love right. story. Cool. That's what they're gonna do. Um, I don't think it was the wrong choice not to belt him at this juncture but it's certainly interesting uh it's interesting it's interesting what do you do with la knight going ahead from here because that's he, a good question too he lost in a pretty decisive way sure jimmy uso was involved somewhat but like Roman speared him on the outside, brought him back in, speared him again, pinned him clean in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Uh, commentary. I, mean, I just got a text from Rob. He's not gonna be able to make it. Cause he thought it was later after crown jewel, not immediately after crown jewel. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
they they put over hard on commentary. Yes, Jimmy interfered, and that he he kicked out of the spear. They went over that pretty pretty big. But I think this is like one of those you take the RKO out of your big flippy do moments where it's like you need a big angle on a follow up show to rebuild this guy a little bit, or you just cut bait because it, it's one of those weird things where he's much bigger or in a better position than say, you know, when they did this with like the Rybacks or the Kennedys of, of WWE, but he could get relegated to that position. And, and, and I'm, I'm, what would you do with him? Cause that's a very good question. Cause it seems like they're, they're building the blocks for, you know, Sammy and, Cody and others going into the new year. What do you do with LA Knight then? They they still have to have like a war games, right? Yeah, I they guess, just announced war games today. I guess he'd be on the war games team with Cody and we build into Royal Rumble and he's in the title chase. I it's just he needed to get screwed over more in this match. Yes. Yeah, that I, that to I, me he, is he needed to get screwed over a lot more in this match. It, it needed to be more. almost over the top screwing. Yes. Of him. Like solo, Jimmy, Heyman, <laughs> everybody getting involved here at trying to make sure, as opposed to oh, Just Jimmy loosely doing stuff. And Jim, all Jimmy did was pull Roman out of the ring. He didn't really hit LA Knight or anything he broke like up that. The one clean pinfall. Uh, yeah. LA would have had the, uh, would have had the pin. So he he did have the visual three, but it was there wasn't even a weapon. I mean, no, at least no. Had a weapon. Yeah, there, there's uh, I I just it's very, it's weird. It sort of felt like he got killed here a little bit. Yeah, and and uh, War Games is interesting too because it looks like they're still building laundry war games in terms of red shirts versus blue shirts. Okay. And not and not baby faces versus heels versus heels, which would help L.A. Knight be on a team with, right. say, Cody, as opposed to L.A. Knight joining with Jimmy Uso on SmackDown. And like, he can't really challenge Seth Rollins. That doesn't do anything for him. There's no other. He needs a big title. Yeah. Like, yeah, he needs a big title. I, I I don't know what that would be. The Intercontinental, no, Intercontinental title is Gunther. So that and that ain't gonna be him. No. U.S. title. That I mean, be the way to make him, anyways. That would you be could conceivably have him be the guy to beat Logan Paul. That would be something. That's certainly the best option we've come up with so far. I think. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I so did mean that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, and, and thinking about this, I mean, he was a backbencher with the NWA when we were wa still watching it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still amazing to me that, that you watch this and they, they somebody in that just decided, hey, this chance getting over, let's put the rocket to him at least up to this point. When Vince didn't see anything in him, I mean, tr I don't know what... I'd love to get inside Triple H's head on this one. I really would. I mean, not not that I'm dismissing uh, LA Knight's charisma or talent or ability to do a promo. 
it's just one of those things where he's not that guy that they just go, okay, let's push him to the moon in a short time. So, yeah. It, it, it really has been fascinating. Um, on one hand, I applaud them for seizing the moment, but on the other hand, this is a guy I just don't quite see it with. Yeah. Uh, other other results in there of note. Um, the pre-show Logan match. Paul. We talk Logan. Paul. Yeah, Logan Paul beat Rey Mysterio for the uh, United States title. I thought that was a pretty. Logan Paul. I hate to say this as because he's a scumbag human being. Might be one of my favorite wrestlers on this roster. <laughs> he just gets the business, every aspect of it, from hyping a fight to being in the ring to being athletic to doing high spots to keeping guys safe in the high spots that he does. Like he, he took care of Ray on that on that moonsault. Uh, that that almost turned into an accidental tombstone. Yeah, yeah. I mean. He, you almost are thinking, why not make him a baby face? But he's such a natural jerk that he had to keep him a heel, but he deserves a run with a title. I mean, every match he's been in has been a banger. Every match he's been in there. He hasn't, he hasn't had a dud yet. And yeah, there's a lot of wonky interference spots and maybe you want to save the wonky interference spots for important stuff. But no, Logan Paul, U.S. champ. I I wonder. Uh, yeah, and I'm also want, then I wonder who you, who you have take it off of him, because it looks like we're gonna have Santos and and Ray splitting up the LWO finally. Because oh, I accidentally left the brass oh, knuckles yeah, on right. the apron. Yeah, the, the brass knuckles were not accidentally left on the apron. Yes, no, they were not. Yeah. Um, yeah, who who would you get to, or would you bring up somebody like? Look, I I bring up Carmelo Anthony and, and just have, or not Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Hayes. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> and 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 you know, if if we're gonna bring him up to the main roster, have him take the title off of off of uh, Logan. You can do the same with Trick Williams if you decide he's the guy. But uh, yeah, uh, pre-show was pretty good. Sammy and 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 JD McDonough had a banger. JD McDonough absolutely tore up half of his torso wrestling that match just looked awful. Looked like he had road rash all up and down himself, but great match. I don't assume you watched the pre-show. I didn't watch the pre-show, but I That's also fine. liked uh I liked Seth and Drew. I Seth and Drew was great. Seth and Drew was great a match. great, great match. It really was. I mean it, it was a really solid match. To me, I was watching that and going, all right, how are you gonna Delightful. top that? I, I liked Drew missing the Claymore, like that whole finishing sequence was really, really well thought out. I, yeah. Just uh, for WWE style match. Very, uh, very pleasing. Uh, EO and uh, Bianca, I thought had a pretty good match. Kyrie coming in. Looks like, looks like they're splitting off EO and creating a faction there with, uh, with Kyrie. Uh, rumor is that more people are going to join with them. And I'm thinking, because there's been news, even though they say, "Oh, it's not, it's not with WWE, it's not with WWE." I think Saray may be coming back and joining them as well, because there's a rumor she's coming back to the states to work, mm. and I haven't seen an announcement of anybody booking her. Uh, so now uh, we should uh, be really into Saray, right? 
that the, the move now 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 our opinion of her completely changes from the last uh, last. I time think she's talked. a hell of a worker. I I, I mean, oh, if, so, if it no, is her, I'm sorry, I'm sorry Saray, not Saraya. I thought you were talking. No, about... no, no, not Saraya, Saray. Okay, okay, I thought you were saying uh, from <laughs> AEW. Oh yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a completely over. completely different conversation we'd be having. Yo, Kyrie Fact. My bad. No, Saray's <laughs> great. I like Saray. She was really good. Yeah, no, it's almost like that Angela Fong stable they had in in Lucha Underground. If they did that, which had EO yeah. and uh, and Kyrie, I believe. Like, e- yeah. Wasn't that EO Kyrie and? Uh, yes. Who was uh, the third? EO Kyrie and. Uh... Oh, I can't remember right now. Although I could see those two join with Oscar as well. That could be the the move too, because I believe they they were a stable at one point. Uh, you know, and plus, <laughs> WWE for some reason loves. A- loves to have all the demos together for some reason, but uh, they put over hard on commentary that uh, Bailey was the one who put uh, Kyrie, Ky- yes, Kyrie out. I almost called her Kylie Kyrie out. Um, face turn for Bailey. Maybe. I mean, she's done such a great job with this obnoxious thing, but it's time to, as she says, she's losing life uh, or she's losing matches, but winning life. I think there's, I think, could you, could you do a WrestleMania match with Bailey and EO and, and get that pass there? But I don't think you can, cause you got Bianca and you're going to have Rhea and Becky on the raw side. So I, I assume that she's probably going to be the feeder for Becky and then she'll be on some uh, battle Royal or something. Uh, what, what else was on this show that I, I've missed? Um, What else? Oh, Cody and Priest. Cody and Priest. That was pretty that, good. That was a pretty good match. I thought I thought that was uh that was solid. Uh the story is being retold again. The chapters continue. I thought for sure when Sammy took the briefcase. I thought they were doing a Sammy cash in in Saudi Arabia. Because they put over that that Damian Priest needs the briefcase in order to cash it in. And I thought they were gonna do that possession as nine tenths crap. And then have him cash in against Roman. Because if you saw the response he got at the beginning of the show, Sammy, you know, Sammy's a big deal in that country. And I thought they, they'd they have them hold back the Judgment Day while he while he cashes in against Roman and gets a win. I thought that for a moment. Because that, that LA Knight match was such a nothing match in terms of giving you making you think LA Knight was going to win. I thought they were going to oh. try and make it on a high note somehow. That to me was the biggest. I, the story to me still remains the LA Knight match and just how, by the numbers, he could have been anyone as generic challenger X. Yes. Yeah. And, and this should have, at least in the loss, made it seem special. Heyman needed to have some sort of secret plan. LA Knight's entrance didn't even feel special. He didn't even do like, a, I'm getting the belt tonight sort of thing. Like there, there was just no aura of, Tonight's the night I become champion coming off of him. I want actually the other match that was very, very interesting to me um, was Solo Sokoa versus John Cena. Oh, yes. That, yes. Sure. Because for a John Cena match, I mean, the only equivalent I can remember is the Brock Lesnar match where he just suplexed him, you know, 87 times and pinned him. There was no chicanery 
in the Solo Sokoa win. He dominated him and he beat him. And that's the story here. And I'm wondering, does that help Solo Sokoa at all? Or is it just, eh, it's John Cena. He's old now and he loses all the time. Because Austin Theory got the rub and then nothing. And he's still nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, what is what is the long-term point of Solo Sokoa beating John Cena? Is it to make him viable to beat Roman Reigns? You know, are, are we building to Solo Sokoa versus Roman? Uh, if we're not, if we're not doing that, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't have faith that they're going to do this, but theoretically you have a really interesting road to the Royal Rumble with like Cody, Solo Sokoa, LA Knight, a bunch of people who like Kevin Owens even, um, who would credibly want to have like a title shot against Roman Reigns. And if you built up to that and actually had like all of these people vying for number one contendership, I think that's, that's pretty intriguing, but I don't, what's the point of Solo Sokoa beating John Cena right now, if you're not going to, do something with it relatively quickly. I would not be shocked if that's the rumble match. Uh, solo versus Roman. Yeah. Cause I don't think Roman's working the rest of the year. So I, I, and, and just to, just to be completist, the, the five way for the women was just there. It really was. I mean, there were some good things. I mean, Zoe Stark was fantastic. I thought in it, in terms of getting a few spots in there, but this was, I don't like five ways because it basically cleans out the division. And yeah, Rhea's cleaned out the division and the story's probably for Mania going to be Becky. But we got six months until then. And it feels kind of like they wrote themselves into a quarter coming out of this show in a lot of ways. A little bit. Like I, because it's too early to tell the Cody gets the belt back. There feels like there's now no intrigue in the world title picture. The, the most intriguing thing they had, the, the LA Knight thing was good because you could string this out for a few months. Like Roman, I would have had Roman get himself counted out. So do, you know, do something where like Roman retains, but like, yeah, yeah he just decides that he's just not going to, not going to lose to LA Knight in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And, and boy, that would have been interesting, especially in the, in the vein of, the end of that Bianca EO match where it's like, yes, counter out because of the interference, but nope, she rolls in at like nine and a half and just gets moonsaulted and pinned. What? Let her take the elf with the count out and, and, EO, and EO is now a cowardly champion who's taking the cheap way out as opposed to, oh, it was interference, but, but she bravely beat the count just to get beat on the next move. I, just, I didn't get that at all in terms of storytelling. These are important tools that you have available to you to string things out and kind of create continuations and, and, you know, pinning LA Knight clean. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And if Bianca loses by count out, she can then say, you didn't pin me. Right. I don't understand that one at all. I was just, I watched that one. I went, 
All right, that's just stupid. I <laughs> believe they did that ending. I just, it was a good match, but the ending made no sense to me whatsoever. And then the LA Knight thing, it was like, yeah, they didn't cheat nearly enough to get the pin on LA Knight. It was just kind of like, hey, look over there, spear one, two, three. And you're like, huh? How's that supposed to get heat on Roman about that? I In particular, I thought the moment where he, Roman spears LA Knight into the barricade and then pulls him into the ring to finish him off in the ring made him look unbelievably strong in the win. Yes. <laughs> that's that's a very strong, dominant <laughs> sort of winning way. Look at our dominant champ. Just get... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, it's just... It's like, okay, then why was well, LA Knight like, even LA here? LA Knight didn't beat the count. He just, he got, he got completely ragdolled. You could have face. done this with any of the Garza brothers or what that, that act or any act you wanted. And instead you did it with the guy who has gotten the biggest pops and sold some of the most merchandise in the last year. And you did it before the holiday season, which is really stupid because he's a merchandise guy. Like yes. LA Knight's not like. Uh, generational wrestler that's going to have like five-star matches with all these great talents all over the world or anything like that. He's a guy who's going to sell a lot of t-shirts. Yes. Uh, he's going to have a catchphrase and a t-shirt. Yeah. That's and your guy to do that. That can work. And you did the, you killed them right before Christmas. Dead. Like, yeah. Three weeks before black Friday. Like they never would have done this with Kevin Owens. And I think Kevin Owens probably would have spoke up about it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I may, may, maybe it was just LA Knight didn't protect his character enough when they were pitching this to him. I don't know, but yeah, that, no, that's a good point. So it may have just soured me a little bit more on this show, even though it was intently watchable. There's no, I mean, other again, other than Miz TV, which that was for the home team. That that was all for that crowd, and they loved that guy, and that's good. And Grayson Waller's a goober who you can do this to. And I guess they're baby facing the Miz after this week's Raw. I guess. Did you see that segment? No, I didn't. With with Gunther? No. About who the oh yeah, it looks like they're building up Miz versus Gunther for the Intercontinental title. Okay. Who's better, Miz or LA Knight? I think I'd much rather see an LA Knight match than a Miz. LA Knight, yeah, LA Knight, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was trying to like, because like Miz, even at his peak, was never a particularly good wrestler. And like, LA Knight's. And he's not a bad wrestler. Let's get that out of the way. Miz is not a bad wrestler. It's just he's a dull wrestler in many ways to me. And you know what he's going to do. This is the uh, this is the WWE match style, and Miz is going to work it. And it's like but, it's but a safe style. A, he has a really limited like yes. offense. Like, and LA Knight's got more going on in his offensive game than than Miz does. Yeah, and he's a better punch kicker too than Miz, which I like. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I mean, he does the Canyon. Uh, there's, a, there's there's a number of different moves that he does that like is I, I don't know like seem like they take a little bit more athletic chops than Miz's offense does let's get to the news brian danielson broken orbital bone in his face which was suffered during uh not last saturday but the saturday before's match against andrade el idolo kind of played up a little bit in this mat in the match last week against okada and orange cassidy uh supposedly coming back in in december which uh I guess you can do if you can if you can withstand the pain of taking bumps and the and the uh, rigmarole there. But uh, 
Is Brian Danielson starting to break down again here, Chris? I don't know. Broken orbital <laughs> bone. Broken orbital bone just seems like kind of a fluke. I know. I was just overplaying that question because it's yeah, yeah. like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, I mean, I, no, he uh, broke his pinky on a on a bad bump. Is is he breaking down? He broke his arm in the uh, in the Zach's was it the Zach Saber match or was it? Oh, it was the Takeshita match, I think, or whatever it was. It, he broke he broke a bone in his arm at one point. Uh, or, or he worked the he worked the Zack Saber match with the broken arm, but yeah, uh, Godspeed to him. <laughs> AEW needs him right now. Uh, in the, in the wake of <laughs> Ric Flair signed a two year deal with AEW, which was actually two different deals. The original deal was a sponsorship deal for his Woo Energy Drink as the official energy drink of AEW, made from mushrooms. God, no. They had had attempted to make a deal with WWE for the drink, but WWE already had an energy drink in place. The aforementioned Logan Paul's Prime, I believe, is that one. So they went to AEW and got the deal done. Um, After making the deal, Tony Khan talked with Flair and his people very late in the game about the Sting idea and being a television character. The second deal, which actually closed on October 24th, was a two-year performer deal to appear on television, which the company then announced on November 2nd. Also coming in late after the uh, publishing of The Observer, Ric Flair has come out with yet another statement stating that AEW doctors have cleared him to take bumps. (laughs) Chris, Mm. your thoughts? Wrestle in an AEW ring, just like I dreamed of when I was a child. I'm looking forward to this. I think uh, Ric Flair has a lot of gas left in the tank. Uh, he's been a fabulous promo in recent years, uh, more coherent than ever. And uh, I wish him and the company the absolute best in this partnership. And I hope they both get what they richly deserve. Nobody's a bigger Ric Flair apologist than me, possibly, in, in current podcasting land. There might, you know, Bruce Mitchell might be, but I don't know if he even podcasts anymore. But no. No, you can't put him as a manager with anybody. He doesn't even bring. He doesn't. He brings nothing because he's become such a. It's like Al Pacino. He is the Al Pacino of wrestling. Yes. Yeah. No, no. He is. He is hoo-ha era Al Pacino. Yes. Where where it's it's not actually useful. Like, you know, this is not Serpico. No, this is this is this is Al Pacino in that Adam Sandler twins movie. What what was it where he's doing the Dunkin' Donuts commercial and he's hitting on Adam Sandler in drag? That is what Ric Flair has become. He used to be the greatest wrestler to me in the world, and now he's wearing suits that looks like it comes off your grandmother's couch upholstery in 1973. He's wearing more chains than in the entire miniseries of Roots. Uh, <laughs> he looks um skeletal in a way yeah like, like it, it's uncomfortable to watch him he's a dancing clown is what he is you know the rick flair drip it's sad and somebody needs to pull him aside and say it's sad and not only that i mean look i'm gonna go back to this and i'm not that guy on twitter but yes the sexual assault stuff for AEW is a bad look, especially when AEW holds themselves up as as being, or as, at least as catering to the type of crowd 
that does not want problematic wrestlers on its roster. They they hold themselves as a superior moral fan base, and they don't want Ric Flair on there. So why would you sign this guy? I mean, I get I get. Look, the one the one thing with Sting, it was cute, great, keeping him throughout the whole retirement thing. He, you can't do anything with him from week to week. That's my problem with him. And he's just there for himself and the money. Right. I, I mean, he's not there know. to give back. He's not there to help anybody. He's there to party with the boys at the bar and tell war stories on the road and all that other crap that he likes to do. The best use I could come up with is during the retirement run, he volunteers to be Sting's manager in like the twist. And turns on him? No, the twist is that there's no twist. That he's oh, okay. Actually, that he's actually <laughs> like a good manager to Sting. Like actually, in, in the end, actually takes the bullet for Sting. Like I would like, be, I would be here for that. I would. I'd be here for like, the, like the twist is that there's no twist. Everybody's thinking, oh, here comes the turn. Here comes, and it never comes. It and never they just comes. blue ball everybody. Yeah, it never comes. That in the end, like Ric Flair actually does a solid by Sting. WWE announced today that yes. Survivor Series is indeed War Games out of Chicago. CM Punk has to show up at some time in this show, right? CM Punk. CM Punk. Punk. CM Punk. Yeah, I, I just, I cannot see this event going down without Punk coming in for at least a match at Rumble, if not Mania. I just... <laughs> And that might be how they finish the story with Cody somehow, is that he doesn't get to beat Roman, he gets to beat Punk headlining a mania. I, I don't know. But I, I just can't see the temptation not being there for WWE to sign CM Punk. I'm sorry. I, oh, I, I know that all the all the sheets are saying they're not talking, but they might not be talking because it's already signed. Yeah, there might be nothing more to talk about. Um, I'm with you. Uh, I... I think that CM Punk's odds, especially with Vince really being demobilized more and more, his odds of returning back to WWE and doing something now, especially with the AEW experience in his mouth. Um, that taste. He's, uh, I think he's very likely to end up in WWE. And Chicago would be a really great place to debut him. Maybe, maybe as an opponent, maybe he's Roman's opponent at Rumble. A secret member of one of the War Games teams? I can oh, see man. that. Oh man, that'd be electric. Yeah. Cuz he really wanted to do that blood and guts match in AEW when uh Danielson couldn't do it that one time. So, yeah, who knows. Yeah. Here's something interesting cuz I want to discuss about at the Fox earnings call on November 2nd, CEO Lachlan Murdoch Lakeland or Lackland, I don't know how you say that, explained the reason that they didn't bid to retain SmackDown, even though it was the highest rated show on the network, except for major sports most weeks and one most Friday nights. Quote, I think we've talked about this before, but how we analyze the WWE renewal and we look at all our sports portfolios in the same way, based on the analysis from an advertising point of view, we were not hitting the advertising numbers due to the audience of WWE to make the return for our return on investment to be above the levels that we would accept. But also we didn't attribute enough significant retransmission revenue to the WWE either. So it made sense for us to move on from them. They've been a great partner for many years, but quite simply we're, we are very disciplined and the ROI didn't meet our discipline parameters. So we wish them luck and we moved on from them. 
This is the observer. Now we have been given data at time showing that Fox lost money on the 205 million per year price, because even with the strong 18 to 49 numbers, a lot of advertisers had a negative view of wrestling fans and thus ad rates were not commensurate with the ratings. So here's my question, Chris, that is burning a hole in my head. Did WWE sell them that they were just like a sports property that they could get advertisers like Mercedes Benz or BMW or the, or the things that you see on NFL all the time. Did Fox just not do its research on this? And is this an actual talking point that somehow, I don't know, are are wrestling fans cheap? Do they not spend money? Are they, are they trash i mean that's how it feels like every time this happened this this thing comes up it's like well maybe they are the 18 to 49 demographic that likes mountain dew and snickers and pizza hut and things that attribute maybe their demographic is a little younger than, than we think and they're all into the junk food and maybe they need cut rate auto insurance or something to that effect maybe they have reached or exceeded their grasp in terms of the types of advertisers they can get, as opposed to, you know, carny white trash, you know, K tells hits from the night from the sixties or whatever. I don't know. I, I, this is one of those things where it just, it feels like they scapegoated wrestling fans, but then you see AEW fans going, yeah, see you WWE fans, you have such a trashy product. You can't get the big name advertisers. And I look at the advertisers for AEW. I'm like, you guys ain't doing much better there. You're getting about the same kind of reach and you have a higher demographic in 18 to 35 or 18 to 49. We both study business somewhat. We both study advertising somewhat. Is this just, we put on prime time and we expected it to get a prime time audience and also prime time advertisers. Cause I know media planners poo poo wrestling. They do but it got great ratings on that network. And it's not like everything is highbrow on Fox. (laughs) So explain this to me. I think that Lachlan Murdoch is covering his ass and that this whole story about the advertisers and the revenue and stuff is a, like look over here pay no attention to the bigger issue which is that they just overpaid for the product in the first place gotcha yeah i i I think that they they had buyer's remorse after overpaying for that deal um i i think you sort of you sort of like got into some of that too where it's like they they did say they were like a sports product remember when they did this deal and they they came up with this number it was like stupidly high uh and and we were kind of shocked by it Uh, and they were they were going to build the product around Brock and Ronda Rousey. They were going to make it an MMA type product or whatever. That's what they were sold on. Yeah. And nothing like that remotely has come to pass. Uh, both of those figures, I mean, the window for both of them has closed uh, clearly. Um, so, yeah. I, I, think I think they thought that their sports department was going to embrace this as well. That's because, also, I mean, if you ever watched, remember, yeah, like Joe Buck, like Joe would Buck just, would just give the worst live reads, just crap on them. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation 
and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, that sounds exciting, Troy. <laughs> Troy, Troy Aikman just drools all over himself because he's been hit in the head too many times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, now there were some 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 of their advertisers did put it over pretty well, like like Gus Johnson. I thought did a great job on the live reads and stuff. But just the, it, it was one of those things where it's like they thought they were going to be able to have sports because they were doing the. Uh, Am I mistaken? No, they had some of the Thursday night football games at the time. So they're going to have sports straight through from Thursday to Sunday because you'd have college football or baseball on Saturday and you'd have football on Sunday. And Friday was going to be wrestling and wrestling was going to be that sports product that kept everybody tuned into Fox. And I said before, I mean, they, they, they overachieved because originally they were not holding that spot from the Tim Allen show last man standing. And then they started getting over 2 million viewers a week, which for wrestling is fantastic, but, but they definitely had a and lot for of primetime television. Now primetime television is dead contract though. So like they yeah. that contract proceeded to turn in several stinky years of television. Then the bloodline thing started to catch fire last year. And they've been on a bit of a hot streak going into the contract year. Yes. But it's kind of like a sports athlete. Like, are you going to renew based off of that? Like they're playing or future game? potential. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what's really, you know, I, I think that's the guiding wisdom here. I, I don't think, I don't think Fox is so naive that they didn't know that wrestling has always like attracted like the slim gym and, you know, uh, the the general type of uh in, insurance uh companies you know call the general uh yeah, and, and, like, and, like that's and that's fine um like the, AEW is not gonna be a great driver for Tesla sales or Mercedes Benz <laughs> yeah and lug this is not the luxury car set doing that even if the families bring their kids there and spend lots of money and might drive a Mercedes or whatnot that's not gonna be the advertisers that appeal to this sect it's gonna be you know, Doritos you know, chips, soda, fast food, you know, gaming culture types, types of things. And, you know, and no, and I think, people, but see, see, I don't think, I don't think old heads tap into that. I still, I think they still think that this is mostly a poor urban, poor rural type of product too, which I just, I, I, that is not true. It is expensive to take your family to a WWE live SmackDown. If you take like a family of four there, I mean, it's not, it's not super pricey, but it's still fairly, you know, if you want good seats and not the nosebleeds, it's still, it's still a night out type. Of oh, thing. I mean, if you're, if you're getting, you know, for the close to the ring, it gets pretty darn expensive. Um, no, it's, it's a, uh, it's an evening. Uh, that's like a Christmas present for a work. Yeah. Um, so in a lot of cases, you know, when I used to go to like the Dallas shows and stuff, you, you would see in those lower bowls, a lot of corporate seats, that sort of thing. Um, and it oftentimes, you know, like it was actually their cor corporate partners, but, and, and then they'd be brand then you'd find somebody in the company who could bring their kids. I mean, my, my, my law firm was the same way. Cause we had box seats at uh, what is now crypto. And they, they'd always come to me with, uh, unless, unless an attorney could take his family 
to to the wrestling event, those seats for business development went un unused. So I always got them. So it was always kind of great for me. But yeah, I can't believe it's called crypto. Ah, yes. Well, it's, it's still like really funny to me. It was funny at the time when they named it. it, it I was, was hoping they'd start calling it the crypt for shorthand, but they never. That never. That never caught on. The crypto. Yeah, it's probably like in 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 uh, in reverence to Kobe Bryant. You don't want to call that place the crypt. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, big dog. Yeah. Uh. Well, that'll do it for wrestling news. Now we're gonna go into the lazy river, which we've already kind of started to delve into with our uh, with our crown jewel hot takes. That's the first time we've had hot takes in a long, long time on this show, Chris. How'd you yeah. feel about that? How'd you feel about it? I mean, it was fun watching. I kind of like it. I kind of like having hot takes live, and then just yeah. The, yeah, just dropping takes right after the show. Um, that was fun. It's but been a- I, I would like to start the lazy river today, if sure. I may, uh, with this. I don't want another stupid passive aggressive. The elite are splitting up. Angle, please, please do not do this to us. And I, I enjoyed this with the number of people. From Voices of Wrestling, from Figure Four, from other outlets, et cetera, et cetera, who who have finally come around to the fact that, oh, maybe the storytelling's a little wanting in AEW. Oh, welcome to the party, pal. But they are coming at it from, from nostalgia for the first couple years of AEW. I get this. But uh, allow me this, because... The problem has been the entire time that this company has not given the people who jumped on board immediately to All Elite Wrestling what they want. Here's what AEW fandom wanted from the get-go. They wanted a shot across the bow at WWE that the best wrestlers are the champions and the biggest stars in your company. And what they wanted was after the first pay-per-view, they wanted Kenny Omega or Hangman Page as your world champion. They wanted the Young Bucks as your tag team champions. They probably wanted Page as either number one contender or a secondary champion if you could. And they wanted a babyface horseman. And they wanted to cheer on that unit of friends who were also great wrestlers and ass kickers and they were the ones to build the company around and they were your stars and they were the centerpiece of everything. And instead what they got was the vice president saying, Oh, we can't push people. I mean, we can't push ourselves over talent. We need to build up young guys. You had the young bucks losing the private party on the first episode of dynamite. You had Chris Jericho because he was better for business because he's more well-known because of his WWE run, et cetera, et cetera. You had all these excuses and you've never pulled the trigger on what everybody wanted coming into this whole thing. They wanted the Bucks, Kenny, and Hangman as a strong unit that were the top people in this company. Agree or disagree, Chris? <laughs> I think that maybe they did, but that was also 2019. And times have changed. And it's too late to do it now. It's way too late to do it now. Everybody's a little older. Everybody's a little slower. Everybody's a little less of a star, to be honest with you. Yes. And 
Matt and Nick Jackson's version of developing a character is just being petty, lousy friends again. Um, <laughs> like the, the, the most consistent piece of characterization is that they're actually kind of bad friends. That, I, I won't deny that. Right? That's the most consistent piece of characterization about them. Whether it's like they don't like it. And they're also like, like they're like toxic friends. Like we've all had the friend who doesn't like any of your other friends. Yes, um, they they did they did this with the Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly thing in the in the elite. Remember this? Yeah, yeah. And they also did uh, they also did this with, with um, Hangman Adam, and Kenny. Yeah, Hangman and um, the the uh, Dark Order and the Dark Order. Yes, you're right. Yeah, the, the culture of the Dark Order as well. Like they're like lousy toxic friends. They are they are the needy chick at the party. Yeah. Oh, it's not my birthday party. I'm going to start crying and get all the attention. That's the Young Bucks. That's their character. <laughs> and and then it's like, it then becomes an issue of how am I supposed to feel about them when they're wrestling when I see them backstage being petulant, like, but not heels. Like, they're like annoying, lousy baby faces, um, but not heels. And then, I mean, like, this is this is sort of a sidebar, but I feel like it's got the same energy. The Roddy Strong and the Kingdom stuff with Adam Cole. Is yes. Like that same sort of like goofy, inconsistent characterization. But uh, on the Buck stuff, just, just to finish out the circuit, I think there was a time where people wanted the the elite to be basically the babyface horsemen. And maybe you have a hangman turn on, hangman turn them all of them or whatever, right? But that window is closed and i i think both companies don't really know really what they're doing right now um like the 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 mania plan seems really unclear for wwe and over on the aew side there there are a lot of question marks as well well the mania plan doesn't have to be clear until after rumble so this is this is where the weird part of the year always happens like you'll get You'll get somebody who gets a short like world title run. Like this is where they put like the world title on Jeff Hardy on SmackDown at this time of year, you know, to run for a month before taking it off of him at 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 Rumble. This is where they'll try things. They'll bring some people up. Uh, they'll bring some talent up from NXT to put them in there and see if there's anything there. This is. This is really the silly season of WWE where nothing quote unquote matters. And that's why we always get into this brand supremacy crap on, on survivor series is we really are treading water until we get to rumble and the road to mania. And they don't have that button on the story. Usually, although they did last year with the, uh, with the Sammy stuff. So. Right. Last year, they actually had stories going into rumble. Yeah. And you know, this year they they're definitely kind of on a search as well. So. Your turn, sir. Um I guess we can stick with that uh AEW dynamite as well here. Uh I'm like just looking through the card here. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about like Orange Cassidy versus Claudio Cascinoli. Like it was it was a very well worked match but it uh it it didn't surprise me that Cassidy retained it feels like they're gonna reset and give the belt back to Moxley again yes right and then yeah you you kind of have the you had the Moxley interference right there at the end that's right that's what this feels like and I don't 
I don't agree with that. I mean, I didn't necessarily agree with taking the title off of Orange Cassidy in the first place. Right. right. But if you had to take the title off of Moxley, you know, to to then give it back to Orange Cassidy to then do it again. I mean, this this literally feels like, oops. Okay, and with Phoenix somehow being in there as the uh, as the bridge, but it's like, oh, Moxley didn't get a chance to do his title run. We got to figure out a way to start over again. Let's do that. And I'm just like, okay, but Orange Cassidy is still one of the hottest guys you got in the thing, and you've now given him character depth that he cares about this title. So I think that'd be kind of a mistake. Um, yeah, I, right. Like the whole thing that is interesting about Cassidy's character, which is actually, I mean, I think been a positive development in characterization in AEW. One of like the you know a, a few of the strong examples. Guy doesn't care about anything, wins a title, all of a sudden realizes that he actually cares about like being a champion, like yes. that actually being a champion matters to him, uh, that underneath the demeanor, he actually really cares about that. Um, I think that's really interesting and compelling. I didn't find MJF's story compelling on this Dynamite. I, I, I the, the search for partners. Uh, <laughs> I swear going into that last, commercial break i thought for sure his partners were gonna be Jarrett sotnam and jay lethal which i was here for but just to get the uh action figure variant with the pink and we had an look i don't i don't mind we're setting up to get to the scissoring spot i get that i just felt that an overrun to get to that spot was a little much let's tighten up the show a bit and just do it in two hours and end with the thing, because it's not a big enough moment where it's going to carry like the acclaimed are not going to be main event players after this in the world title picture of any way or in any form. It doesn't do MJF a whole lot of good. It was just, we're doing an overrun because we, we were allotted the time and we were allowed to. So keep watching suckers. It, it's just, it wasn't, I mean, if, if it's a, for a world title, uh, change? Sure, I'm here for that. To see friendship and and Adam and 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 MJF and Max Caster finally getting to scissor with Daddy Ass and <laughs> and Bowens. No, no, that can be done within the two hour allotted time. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was unrepentantly stupid, and I keep going in my mind. There's a place and a time where I would have enjoyed that just fine, like in the middle of a show, like in the first hour, as like a sub angle. If it was just MJF and Max Caster doing it, and like MJF wasn't champion right now, and you like that, that'd be to- totally fine. Uh, this the whole walking around backstage. Realizing he has no friends. I mean, all of it was goofy and ironic and silly. And like, I just, I don't think it helps MJF as a champion. I don't think it helps him become more compelling as a champion. I guess it sort of helps him as a baby face as a, he's our scumbag thing. But you know, the pseudo romantic relationship between the two maxes is not, uh, not something I'm here for. And it goes to another complaint I have in that the time only goes forward when everybody's at work. I mean, he had all week to get three partners here and he only waited until, I mean, I guess you could say that's a party to his arrogance, 
but yeah, you, you can miss me with the, oh, I need to call Darby an emo bitch during this time. You know, I, I mean, I thought, you know, War, and oh, Wardlow's there and he's just going to choke him for a while, but he's not going to beat the crap out of him. He's just going to scare him a little bit type of a thing. And then they didn't follow up on the Joe being his friend gimmick. Right. I mean, it, it was it was such a weird. It was lazy. It was lazy writing because it's like on one hand. It was writing for the joke versus the story is what. It yeah, was. right. Yeah, def- very much writing for the jo- the punchline of the joke rather than writing to create a coherent story that that is in service of the joke. Um, Your turn, sir. Man, that was that that was a good one, though. I, I felt like that was a that was a big that was a big problem. Um, trying to, I mean. She did Nightingale's match was fine. I like. I remember. I, oh. I like. I, go what? ahead. Sorry. No, I'm going to go into this angle afterwards. That was something on my list. Okay. Okay. Yes, the angle afterwards, where Sheeta runs up and like attacks Tony Storm, like kind of out of nowhere. Uh, I. She Tony Storm's going to win this title. I, I said. Now, see, I dug that part of it. I dug that that Sheeta's like, I'm tired of you coming out here and being a drama queen when I'm trying to win this match. She just does the cut the side. Gets the shoe out of the way and just starts beating the crap out of Tony Storm. I was here for that. It's the other part of this angle that I I got I got angry at Chris, and I don't get angry at people wasting my time with wrestling angles just to drop them. But this one got me. And oh, uh, the really hard thing. Yes. Oh yes. We blew yes. mist in Sky Blue's face, and we've been going through emo Sky Blue dressing up as the Mystery Machine for weeks now. Because we're expecting this, and and then we had the mist in in Willow Nightingale's face, and half of her face going black as well in terms of the makeup. Only now that Julia Hart's back, to have Sky Blue turn around and blow Blue Mist, and miss most of it, but Blue Mist, and these effects are still there, and it was all just kind of a, eh. See, it's not really affecting me all that much type of a thing when we were building that story for three weeks. The myths have been really established, too, as a thing that, like, alters people's personalities. So the idea that Sky Blue somehow figured out how to unalter her personality from the mist is... Well, she was in the lab concocting a special blue mist, which we assume now will possibly change Julia Hart's demeanor. I don't know. You, you can actually get that blue mist from the household products aisle. Oh, uh, can you? Yeah, at your local grocery store. You shouldn't put it in your mouth, though. I, this women's division needs stables, and I thought that's what they were going for. And I, you know, I didn't like the idea of a dark or dark order, uh, House of Black female version, but it was something. And they've basically been look. If I'm going to have sky blue on my TV every week. Might as well give her some characterization, um, even though she's not my favorite performer in the world. And Willow Nightingale, we thought she might be beating Jade to get a giant baby face push. And here she is playing third banana to Julia Hart and Sky Blue. And they only have three contenders to the title because we just rotate between Ruby Soho, Sky Blue, and Willow Nightingale every time. I mean, I know we have a lot more women signed to this division. 
what are we doing? Let's let's get some characterization in there, kids. Man, hindsight being what it was, not having Willow beat Jade was a mistake, huh? Yes. Very much so. I, I just I mean it felt I, like a mistake at the time, but it increasingly feels like a giant mistake. I mean, we've been telling this story that oh Sky and they've been putting it over on commentary week after week after week. Oh look, Sky, she has a different demeanor ever since she got missing. Oh look, she's appearing in darker makeup. Oh look, she's changed her wardrobe, et cetera, et cetera. Nope. <laughs> back to one everybody uh i'm gonna i'm gonna jump it, over it, to the it, fed oh go ahead but it, it really just it destroys what does the what does the mist do you know what i mean like the the mist is a silly gimmick but like if you establish that the mist like alters people's personalities you have to stick with that that yes. has to that has to be sacrosanct. This is this is nothing but but world building. And if you establish rules for the world, you have to stick to the rule rules of the world. You know, when 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 mist had different colors and those meant different things, promotions would stick to it. You know, the black mist was different than green mist was different than red mist. You know, et cetera, et cetera. When Muda would do it or whoever, look how cool Muda was. <laughs> Um, no, uh, and, and yeah, and establish the mist does something. It's got to do the same thing every time. Yes. Unless you find a way to block it or something, unless there's something story-wise to do it. But usually that's supposed to be like you duck the mist or something like that. Yeah. You, know? you put on a, a, a face shield or something. Face you... shield, yeah. Something like that. Don't know which one to go with. So I'm going to go with this one. Uh, the creeds have been called up to the main roster. I thought they had a fairly, you know, uh, I'd say it was a nondescript yet not bad match in their debut against Alpha Academy. And then they had to go back to uh had to go back to high school for a night in NXT and tore it up against the against the Garzas. I, oh, that, God. that God, match that, that that match just started at like uh yeah, it started at like a six or a seven. They were just yeah. going at it right from the Hey, start. we're gonna do a table spot first and then we're gonna shorten your careers from there. I mean that thing that was a brutal, brutal match on that one. You know, just like, hold on, are we protecting these guys from themselves or what? But no, I enjoyed the hell out of that match to open up night two of Halloween Havoc. I, I, I thought, and look, I think the Creeds are going to be fine. I'm going to be very interested to see how they present them with Ivy Nile. And dare I say, are they going to get a manager or are they going to get roped into a different stable where somebody can talk for them or are they going to let them talk for themselves? It's not that they're bad talkers is that they're not very good talkers i I, th I think julius is better than you give him credit for he's not amazing but like i, I think julius can speak for the unit okay the big one. uh do, do you think that they having this uh gym class bully gimmick when you have alpha academy doing all this charactery stuff is, is it just gonna make them look like bland tag team yeah, see, I would, I this this is the mistake. I think trying to put them against Alpha Academy is probably like, it's it is the WWE thing of like let's put all all the like things together. Um, but I would actually have them kind of get over as like like what they were doing at NXT where they came out the crowd, they were just like super connected with the fans or whatever. They're like get them over more like the Steiner brothers. Yeah. Um, that like these are just like two brothers, yeah, two brothers who love the fans. 
and you know love being brothers and love doing stuff and they have their friend ivy who also does things <laughs> this, is our, this is our second ivy she also does things she also does things we love doing stuff i want that ivy. as the gimmick now <laughs> she also does things well who are you i'm ivy what do you do i do things i do things too <laughs> As well. And then we get a love story with Tazawa. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, uh, your turn, sir. Um, all right. What else happened on NXT? Uh uh, okay, yeah, Tiffany's trying to type on Henry. Um oh, man, I fell asleep during this latter half of the show. What did you think of the Mr. Stone Bronx Breaker match? Uh, it was there. It existed. I think. I think Stone is Stone is perfectly acceptable because he knows how to work. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. And uh, he, he's he compelling. A, I mean, I know, I know what it's supposed to be. But was he at least compelling? Uh he got his ass beat pretty much, and that's okay. all it had to be. And it was it was fine. And he he had one like I think he had a false hope spot, which was good. And this is all the setup then that uh, Von Wagner's coming back way too soon to fight Braun, which is fine. Um, the narrative, everything, everything was narratively satisfying. Let's put it that way. There, there was nothing out, out there that was weird. Um, like, uh, <laughs> staying on NXT, I did enjoy, of course, Thea Hale and JC Jane versus Chelsea and, and, uh, and, uh, Piper. Although Chelsea and Piper had a week, like on raw, that costume was awesome. Them playing the heart foundation. That was absolutely fantastic cosplay by the two of them. I need more Piper Niven as Jim Neidhart in my life because that was just hilarious stuff, and they were good. And, of course, you know, uh, Carmelo and, and uh, Ilya are just going to tear the house down every time. I mean, that that that's... God, I think it, this is a lot like um, Gargano and Ciampa in terms of the rivalry. And you wonder if they'll ever be able to recapture that kind of magic on the main roster. And I think I have more hope for this one than, than those two on, on, on the main roster in terms of a, a rivalry, if they ever decide to do it that way. Cause you know, Gargano and Ciampa, they've been around a while. They've never really told the story of DIY breaking up, et cetera, et cetera. And it's probably too late to do that now, especially with Gargano and, and them being over 40, but with these two being young guys, you could absolutely tell that story on the main roster of their rivalry here and it being a series that we look back on when they're both 38 39 and going yeah those guys tore it up every single time they had a match with each other they were they were the brett and sean of their days type of a thing um even though you probably won't get as much heat in there uh find something else you wanted to bring up um i i read the just a quick recap it looks like uh lola vice won the breakout tournament yeah here. That was expected, but she that wasn't was, bad. She wasn't bad, but uh, Electra Lopez uh, like actually interfered in the match, which was – it's like this whole breakout the tournament, they just couldn't decide was Lola Vice a babyface or a heel. It, they wanted to play it really down the middle. It was like she sort of like played it gray the whole way down. Yeah, and I think they do that so that they, the crowd doesn't get doesn't get honor after – you know, it's one of those things where it's like – I, I still think they're not sure where they want to put her. Be honest with you. Yeah. 
you know, they're not sure if they want to give her a full heel run or they want to give her a full baby face push. So they stick her with Electra as a heel. But you know that Lola Vice could turn on her at any time type right. of a thing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give some love to uh, Aunt Pam because I haven't given her any in a while. Uh, I watched SmackDown last night since we're taping late. She's still, she's still the cornerstone of this division in terms of the person you put in there to work a match who's going to do everything smooth and everything correctly and make someone look like a million bucks. She had a match with uh, Bianca to set up this Bianca EO match. And, uh, of course, great chemistry, all the little things. Took a bump through a table again. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, cause, cause I have a couple people in my mentions are like, yeah, you remember when Bailey was actually a star instead of this, a goober all the time on TV. There are a lot of people who are saying they want another star push for Bailey. And I don't think that's coming. I think this is her role is being kind of charactery. She's the new natty is what I'm thinking. I mean, she, she's, I mean, not that natty has gone, but you know, she's the mid card charactery heel who's going to make all the people they bring up from NXT look great. And and that might just be her position and there's nothing wrong with that and they're taking care of her financially but man if they wanted to do a uh, star ratings push for Bailey, I think she still has a few of those types of matches in her. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah. I I certainly I certainly agree on that. I just uh they've never especially with charlotte back in the picture and now jade cargill and stuff they they've got other things other projects that they are going to be interested in yeah and that charlotte thing still lingers i don't know how rick flair signed see that's the other aspect of this i i didn't get into but it's interesting if this were vince charlotte would be on a losing streak of epic proportions like she'd have a farting gimmick or something. She'd have something to humiliate her, to punish her for Flair signing with AEW. But Triple H and Michael Hayes and the other people behind the scenes who are who are the power brokers and, and Pritchard and, and others, they respect the hell out of Ric Flair. And I don't think they'd ever do anything like that to Charlotte. But it is kind of interesting because Charlotte's taken clean loss after clean loss and now they put her in a tag team with Shotzi which is a fascinating pairing in some ways because <laughs> let's put it this way in terms of technical prowess Charlotte is heads and shoulders above Shotzi but they both do some high risk stuff at times so I'm, I'm kind of it's kind of like almost watching a train wreck that hasn't happened yet. But at the same time, you, you're kind of still fascinated as to how those two gel with each other and whether or not they are have tag team chemistry. But I don't think she's going to get, uh, I don't know if she's going to be able to break Flair's record now. And I don't know if she's going to get pushed for a mania main event this year. Well, she might be she might be the person who does the honors to Jade Cargill. It sounds like if anything, she's in perfect position to uh give Jade a big signature win at WrestleMania. Boy, you have a few of those, don't you? Because you have if you decide that Jade's gonna be NXT champ for a while, you have Lyra Valkyria right there. Not that she's not a star, but she's not she's not a breakout star. She's not Jade. Let's put it that way. 
Jade and Charlotte would be very, very interesting. And if this is the cool down thing, you can see that too, where they're cooling down Charlotte so you don't expect her. And then she does something like win the Rumble. But I think Jade's winning the Rumble. So you'd have to get the belt off of EO onto Charlotte. And I still think that that route is Bianca. God, do you have Bianca? Do you have Bianca versus Jade? Would that be a way to go here? Where's Mania? Tampa. Or Jacksonville. So, no, not Jacksonville. Tampa, I think. Or it's it's in Florida, I think. Mm. Or no, no, no. Stupid. It's in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. That's where it is. That could be an interesting move. Because I think Rhea and Becky is the is a move on that side of the ledger. It's just the, the where uh, it just is if if Jade's gonna be main roster, she's winning the rumble. And then do you put her against Charlotte or do you put her against or do you do a three way? <laughs> oh God, if this is a three way, we're in trouble. But nevertheless, I mean that yeah, I mean it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of which way you go. Yeah, I mean, Charlotte, Bianca, Jade as a three-way would be a waste of talent, but, like, could certainly be a viable way to go. You could see those three having a, you know, mania program, at least. Speaking of three-ways, if you haven't watched it, uh, Rampage opening match, the three-way luchador match was was very good if you like those types of three-way luchador matches. Um, And that's all I have for my list. That's all I got to. Cool. We'll end it there. Uh, we'll try and reschedule Rob McCarron for another time. Apologies to all those who came in after I hyped it. Uh, <laughs> it's been Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at Crap Game 13 on X. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word on X. We are part of the Voices Wrestling Podcasting Network. Podcast to fit any type of your wrestling fandom, including Music of the Mat, Days of Thunder, The Good, The Bad, The Hungy, and, of course, the flagship with Joe and... Rich, if you like what I do on audio, and hey, why wouldn't you? I'm also part of the Fight Game Media Network, patreon.com slash fightgamemedia. About 20 minutes after Dynamite goes off the air, we are live on YouTube, myself and Paul Fontaine, thoroughly deconstructing AEW Dynamite for that night. It drops on your podcatchers the next day if you are a member of the Patreon. Uh, Chris has other interests and things. He does things, much like Ivy Nile. What do you do, Chris? Oh, yeah. So I, I like doing things. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Instagram.com slash doctor underscore Nov, N-O-V. Uh, I teach guitar lessons if you are so inclined and bass lessons and music theory lessons, music composition lessons, all of these sorts of things. Uh, been doing it for a long time now. And I also work at the tram. Uh, but message me on Instagram if you're interested in music lessons. If you're trying to get on the tram, you can buy tickets on SandiaPeakTramway.com. And that Instagram account? Uh, Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. See you next week, kids. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of all Japan pro wrestling and pro wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.